The Nashville Predators have some work to do this offseason if they want to be more than a first-round playoff team. On today's Locked on Predators, we're going to take a look at that all-important second line. We'll compare Nashville's second line to some of the best second lines in the league. We're going to see how Nashville stacks up and talk about what this organization needs to do to make their top six a top threat. All that's coming up on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked on Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked on Predators, and thank you for making us your first listen of the day. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at OnTheForeCheck.com, and I am usually joined by my partner in crime, Nick Morgan, but Nick has the day off today, so I'm going to be flying solo. We have a ton to talk about in this episode. We are going to tackle that second line. You know the thing of which I speak. But first, I want to let you know that today's episode is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. So a lot going on with the Nashville Predators, a lot going on in the NHL this weekend. Real quick recap, we had Stanley Cup Finals game two between the Avs and the Lightning. And if you missed this game on Saturday, you missed some really incredible, surprising dominant hockey. The Colorado Avalanche beat the Tampa Bay Lightning Seven to nothing, seven to nothing. And it was as complete a dominant performance by an NHL team that I have seen, I think, in years. You know, Colorado went into the Stanley Cup final. And there were a lot of narratives kind of spun about how Colorado would do against Tampa Bay. And look, Tampa Bay is a good team. This is a really complete team. But Colorado is on a mission. Um, People have said that Colorado hasn't seen a real goalie in the postseason. Of course, in their first round against the Predators, UC Saros was out with injury. So we didn't probably challenge them goaltending wise like we could have with Saros in net. But they faced uh, Andre Vasilevsky and Colorado got seven goals past Vasilevsky. You know, if you would have told me that there was going to be a shutout in this series, I would have kind of automatically thought that it was going to be Vasilevsky and not Darcy Kemper getting a shutout. But Colorado has just found a way to get that puck past Vasilevsky, and it has not looked challenging. Um, You know, this was a game that Colorado just ran 
Tampa Bay ragged. It reminded me of, you know, a toddler who had gotten into some pixie sticks and then they're running all over and you've got kind of your fragile grandmother who made the mistake of taking him out of the stroller, trying to chase this toddler around and contain them. I'm telling you, that was the visual that I got in my mind watching this game on Saturday, Saturday, Colorado was so dominant. And you have to remember, this is a team that is playing without Nazem Kadri. We'll mention that Burakovsky left partway through the game. He had an injury, I think, to his hand. Didn't travel with the team, but we will wait and see if he joins them and plays in game three tonight. So just a really incredible performance by Colorado. Can't rule Tampa Bay out yet. If you remember, they were down two games to nothing against the New York Rangers. We know how that turned out. So we'll see how they do when the game returns to their home ice. Um, it'll be an interesting game three. I really worry for Tampa Bay if they don't come out early and get a lead because Colorado is just rolling right now. Kind of threw a poll out there and Locked on Predators uh, Twitter page asking fans if Colorado's performance in the Stanley Cup Finals so far has made you feel any better about the Predators getting swept in the first round. 53% of you said yes. 47% said no didn't. And look, it's really hard, no matter what happens, to feel great about a first round sweep. But when you see Colorado playing as dominant as they are, there may perhaps be a little bit of comfort to be taken in the fact that they made Tampa Bay look as flummoxed as the Nashville Predators were at times in that first round. So Colorado is rolling game three tonight. We'll see how that game goes. Uh, other interesting news real quick over the weekend. Philip Forsberg needs to just stay off social media until he posts that he is signed again with Nashville because an Instagram post by Philip Forsberg caused a huge ruckus in the NHL. Uh, he posted a photo to his Instagram page of downtown Ottawa, a picture of Ottawa, and made a comment to Mark Borvietsky, who is from Ottawa, about he was right that Ottawa is a beautiful city. Well, let me tell you, that sent the NHL rumor mill into overdrive. Is Philip Forsberg looking at going to the Ottawa Senators? Now, before we get too panicked about it, we'll say that there was also a photo posted of he and his fiance at a wedding. So there is a perfectly logical reason why Philip Forsberg was in Ottawa, or maybe, you know, maybe that's from an earlier wedding and he's just trying to throw people off and he's really talking to the senators. What I can tell you is that the senators fans are very interested in this. If you follow uh, our friends at Locked On Senators. There were lots of comments and engagements about Philip Forsberg. What would a line look like with Forsberg? What kind of deal would they get for him? You know, what would he contribute? And our friends at Locked On Senators posted a poll to Twitter. They asked Senators fans, would you be happy if the Senators signed 27-year-old UFA Philip Forsberg? At eight years, 9.25 million AAV, 
31% said, hell yeah. 59% said no, too much money. And 9.5% said he wouldn't accept that deal. Hopefully he will not accept any deal from Ottawa or anyone else. Hopefully they are making some progress on getting Forsberg re-signed here in Nashville. There was also word kind of came out this weekend. Uh, Chris Johnston on Insider Trading says that the Predators would like to bring Forsberg back, but that there really hasn't been a ton of progress in extension talks since March at this point in time. So that's a little bit more gloomy an outlook than what I think we were hearing from John Hines last week on the radio and just sort of the vibe that we're getting. So Definitely something that we are all keeping our eye on. And again, as we hear things here at Locked Up Predators, we'll let you know as soon as word comes out about Forsberg and a contract. So let's say that the Predators do re-sign Philip Forsberg. The fact is there are plenty of other issues that the Predators need to address this offseason. And today we are going to talk about one of the most glaring issues, and that is the second line. We're going to talk about what the Predators need to do when it comes to their second line. How do they stack up against some of the top second lines in the league? And what are some possible solutions? We have all that coming up in just a minute. But first, want to let you know that Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all the latest sports development, league reviews, and news, including, of course, this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. Bet Online is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And Bet Online remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and even golf. You can head to their website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. Bet online where the game starts. So we're going to tackle one of the biggest issues that I think the Nashville Predators had this season, and that was a struggling second line. This second line of the Nashville Predators really never, ever gained traction. Towards the end of the year, uh, Coach John Hines really tried to sort of mix it up and shift it around, trying to get some players jump started and to also get that second line scoring offensively. But it's not something that was really very successful all season long. So I wanted to take a very specific look at where the Predators stack are as far as how they stack up in the league against some of the top second line teams um, that are out there and where they need the most help. Now, I'm also going to try to solve that problem. So if you hang in there, I'm going to tell you how the Predators can solve the second line woes. But First, let me tell you what I did to sort of break down where the Predators' second line is at. So I went and took a look at four of the top teams who have top lines. I looked at Toronto, Colorado, Boston, and Calgary. And I went and pulled statistics 
on their second lines. I tried to find teams that were a very successful because let's face it, that's what we're going for with the Nashville Predators. We want a team that is going to be successful long-term into the playoffs. But I also found um, teams where they had very comparable offensive zone starts. They had comparable number of games played by the three players on the second line. Just to sort of give some similar context as we looked at some statistics. So um, we're going to look at these second lines of Toronto, Colorado, Boston, and Calgary. When I looked at them, this is what I found. Looked at those four teams' second lines. They averaged 23.9 goals, 33.8 assists, and 57.8 points. Now compare those averages to how Nashville's second line, and when I say second line, I mostly looked at the statistics for Luke Cunnan, Ryan Johansson, and Ellie Tolvanen. Those three players averaged 16.7 goals, 19.3 assists, and 36 points. So you're looking at, you know, an average of seven goals difference here. You're looking at almost 20 points difference between how the Nashville second line performed this season and how some of the top second lines are. You can't be successful in this league without a strong scoring threat from your top six. Nashville had a really strong season with their top line, not as high up in the league as I would have liked, but for Nashville and for how um, some of these players have performed, Forsberg and Duchesne, of course, both 40 plus goal scorers this season, which was career records for both of them and for the franchise. Mikhail Granlin, an outstanding year. Nashville had a strong top line, great chemistry, maybe not something that John Hines is going to want to mess with next season. This second line, not great. And it was an issue all season long. We talked about it a lot here at Locked On Predators. Luke Cunnan and Ellie Tolvanen really struggled to produce offensively. And that was something that never really got corrected this season. They just could not find the back of the net. And you have to have scoring threats up and down your lineup, but especially in that second line. Nashville had a really good third line, the herd line with uh, Janot and Trennan and Sissons. And they were a really solid, steady line, but you've got to have a strong second line offensively. And it's something that the Predators didn't have. Now, caveat, Ryan Johansson had one of his best seasons statistically, really looked re-energized, really looked like he had that Ryan Johansson postseason level of play through much of the regular season. So I feel like good momentum with Ryan Johansson, but got to solve the problem of that second line scoring. Now, when I compared statistics, again, with Toronto, Colorado, Boston, and Calgary's second lines, it was not all bad news when I compared it to Nashville statistics. So these other second lines averaged 79 hits and 41 giveaways. 
Nashville's second line averaged 157 hits and 28 giveaways. So there are some good things that were happening between Cunning, Tolvanen, and Johansson. Pretty good puck responsibility. And, you know, they were very committed to playing John Hines' physical checking style of hockey. So you did see some things coming out of the second line that were really good that the Predators were focused on. They just didn't produce offensively. And that's a really big problem. You know, the Predators can't just pretend that, oh, shucks, it was just this weird coincidence of a season where Cunnan and Tolvanen were snake bit. You know, there's a lot more to what went on with that second line and to solving the issues of the second line than just players um, kind of getting into um, a good groove. You know, we've talked about Luke Cunnan. He is a UFA, and we talked last week about his season and whether we think the Predators will re-sign him. Definitely had more leash than Ellie Tolvanen did. He played all 82 games and really feel like Coach John Hines was very complimentary of Luke Cunnan's game throughout the season. Um, Ellie Tolvanen, a little bit of a different journey for him. He was healthy scratched several times by John Hines and didn't necessarily seem to get the same amount of leash for very similar offensive production. So definitely some dynamics going on there between Hines and Cunnan and Tolvanen. It will be very interesting to see what the Predators do with Cunnan, whether they re-sign him. Wouldn't be surprised if they do. My fear is that Ellie Tolvanen has worked himself into a position of being a really interesting trade piece. Wouldn't be surprised to see Ellie Tolvanen become a bargaining chip for the Nashville Predators. And I'm not real sure that's where I see him, despite having kind of a struggle of a year. We'll have to wait and see what happens in the offseason. One thing I think we can all agree on, there clearly is an issue with the second line for the Nashville Predators. And coming up, I'm going to talk about how the Predators can address second line scoring. First, though, I do want to remind you that you can follow Locked on Predators and Locked on NHL anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And you can check out both shows on YouTube. So there are a couple of ways the Predators can gain some momentum when it comes to developing a more competitive second line. First, let's look at some of the internal solutions. Let's look at what the Predators have on the roster and how maybe some shifts in lineup might make a difference. Definitely could stand to move some pieces up. And when I think about that, I think of two players in particular. First, I think of Tanner Janot. Tanner Janot had one of the most exciting years for the Nashville Predators. He had 24 goals, 17 assists, 41 points. He was scoring and competing with some of the other top rookies in the league. Um, and it was very interesting to watch because he has a very different style of hockey than some of the other players vying for Rookie of the Year. But 
really strong offensively. Um, one of the things that I really like about Tanner Janot is that he is, of course, physical. He is a hard checking forward, but he also can play the game at Ryan Johansson's speed. You know, and that and that's not just uh, skating analytics. That's kind of hockey IQ. That's accountability. That's reading the play that's coming up. You're reading the move that's going open, and we saw that with Tanner Janot this season. Towards the end of the season, he did have an opportunity to play up a little bit on that second line. John Hines was very hesitant to break up that third line, the third line. But when the second line was struggling and at the end of the season, when Tanner Janot was kind of hitting an offensive rut, Hines bumped him up to the second line to see if he could jumpstart things for both Janot and the second line. Not sure it was the most successful, but I do think that it is a an idea that is well worth revisiting for the Predators as they look ahead, if they're looking at strictly kind of internal solutions. I would not be surprised to see Tanner Janot bumped up to that second line, and I would be excited to see him playing more consistently with Ryan Johansson. I think Johansson just is a very creative player, and I think Tanner Janot can operate with that sort of creativity and if they could build some chemistry on reading each other there could be some exciting things there so Tanner Janot I think is a really viable top six forward for the Predators could be really good with Ryan Johansson the other player that I think deserves a shot at some second line minutes next season is Bill Tomasino. And this is somebody that Nick and I have talked about quite a bit um, on the podcast. Nick and I really felt like this first season for Phil Tomasino was sort of a training wheel season. It was an opportunity for Tomasino to get used to the pace of NHL games, get used to the physicality of the games, to the style of play that the Predators are looking for from their players. He was healthy scratched at times, didn't always get a lot of ice time on the fourth line, but there were glimpses of his potential. And I think now that he sort of has settled into NHL speed, he has settled into NHL reads, he may deserve a shot on the second line with Ryan Johansson. He may be a viable top six forward. Now, do I think that he is going to come out next season if they put him on the second line and he is going to crank out 25, 30 goals? Maybe not. I think there's still some growing pains that are going to happen with Phil Tomasino, but I'd really love to watch him have growing pains with someone like Ryan Johansson and a little more ice time. I think that would kind of work him through some of that. So two pieces that I think internally that the Preds already have that are really interesting pieces for the second line, Tanner Janot, Phil Tomasino. But then I start to think, you know, the Preds have some money and I know how to spend some money. So I kind of did a dive into who are some UFAs who are out there the Predators might want to look at to plug in on that second line. Now, this is not a new topic for those of you who listen to Locked on Predators often. Nick and I, up until the trade deadline, were begging and pleading and hoping and praying that the Predators would spend some ching and bring in somebody for that second line. And it didn't happen. 
you know, David Poyle really wanted to see, I think, what the core that he had was capable of doing in the postseason. They were swept in four games. We'll just let that sit. <laughs> so I think that there is a valid argument for spending some serious money on a second line player. Now, Philip Forsberg, if he resigns, I understand he's going to, you know, that's going to cost the Predators some significant money and that's okay because I think that there are some options out there for the Predators for the second line that while they may cost some money, may bring really good bang for the buck. So when I look at who's available out there, there are three players that I'm really interested in. The first is Valerie Nachushkin. Now, I'm going to tell you full disclosure, I cannot pronounce this man's name to save my life. So just bear with me. Um, he is having a phenomenal postseason with Colorado. He had a great regular season, 25 goals, 27 assists. He had 52 points. He is finishing up a two-year, $5 million contract. Now, when I'm looking at somebody for the second line, I'm thinking, you know what? We don't have to do eight years, $8 million. A, I know that whole number combination makes Predators fans feel a little itchy and hivey. But I'm thinking if you could find somebody for two, three, four years to sort of fill in on a second line, it's definitely worth spending the money on. And Nutrushkin is somebody that I think could be really a valuable asset. So that's my first pick. Now, here's the problem. Every game that Colorado has played in the postseason has increased the value of Valerie Nachushkin. And so he is going to be somebody that a number of teams are looking at. Preds get in there, say sweet things, offer some money. I really would love to see him. Even if you put him and Tanner Janot together, I don't know. It's just something about that is appealing to me. So that's my first pick. Second pick, if I were to um, get my shopping list and my requests in, I would look at Carolina's Nino Niederreiter. 24 goals, 20 assists, 44 points. I think he would bring the offensive punch that the second line needs. Here's another stat, though, that really intrigues me when I look at him as a player for Nashville. 119 hits. So this is somebody who is used to playing a really physical style of hockey that I think would mesh very easily and very well with how John Hines uh, coaches this team and the direction this team is going. So Nino Niederreiter from Carolina, you know, I could sleep okay at night if we got him. Uh, the other one, and I'm just throwing this name out here because I like total and utter chaos and the visual in my mind is so entertaining, is Nazem Kadri. Now, there are a number of UFAs with Colorado, but uh, Kadri is one that's really interesting. Now, we haven't seen him playing recently. He's been out with injury. But just take a minute, if you will, and visualize how spicy a line it would be if you had somebody like Kadri with Ryan Johansson. Like... Those are two like agitative, offensive, spicy fellows. Like I would love to see this. Kadri had 28 goals, 59 assists for 87 points in the regular season. If you could plug in one of these three guys or a player very similar to them, if you could get yourself 
a second line 20 goal scorer, especially one with some physicality, I think it would make a world of difference for how Nashville performed down the line. Too much pressure was put down the line on that top line for Nashville. They absolutely have to do something with the second line to have better offensive production. They can do it internally, but I also think if they're smart, they're going to go out and spend some money on a UFA and get somebody in on that second line where it's a little bit more of a threat. That's how I would solve this. I'm curious, what do you all think? How would you, if you were the Nashville Predators, address the second line issues that we saw all season long? You know, should they keep coming? Do you think you just move Janot and Tomasino up? You're going to bring in somebody. If you bring in somebody, who are you going to bring in? I would love to know what you think. You can let me know on Twitter. It's LO underscore predators for the podcast. Would love to hear what you have to say. You can also check out the podcast on YouTube and let us know there. Like, subscribe, uh, leave a comment. Let us know your thoughts on that. That's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Predators. Again, thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Tomorrow, the NHL Awards show happens, and Nick and I are going to give you our last second, last minute um, guesses for who is going to walk home with the biggest NHL awards. Of course, we're going to be keeping our eye on Roman Yossi, who is nominated for the Norris Trophy, and UC Soros, Vesna Trophy finalist. So we're going to talk about that. And we will, of course, have a recap of what is sure to be a fascinating Game 3 in the Stanley Cup Finals between the Lightning and the Avs. Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter at ANK underscore Mama on Ice. You can find my work at ontheforecheck.com. Again, find the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Predators. Also on YouTube, like, subscribe, share. Love to hear your comments on there. Let us know how you're feeling about that Predators second line, how you're feeling about the Stanley Cup Finals. Or how optimistic you are about Philip Forsberg signing in Nashville or Ottawa, but mostly Nashville. Nick and I will be back tomorrow with another episode of Locked on Predators with our final choices for the NHL awards. We hope that you have a fabulous day today and we'll check in with you tomorrow.